this weekend. It's been fun being Mr. Mom. Uh, it's been a, actually it's been a blast. I taught school for two days. I didn't know I was a kindergarten first grade teacher, but I did it. Ask Isabel about the scientific method. Actually, ask her about the snails, and she'll tell you about the snails. I'm going to continue. Uh, we've got two more weeks. We're going to be in Philippians, and we're going to finish it out. Uh, and last week, we talked about how Paul was not afraid to be an example. He said, follow my example, and he wasn't doing that in an egotistical, arrogant way. He was just saying, I am doing my best to follow Jesus Christ, and my aim is to make it into heaven one day, to not only have my citizenship in heaven here on earth, but to experience it one day. So follow me. You can trust me. Follow me. And our call from God yes, last week was for us to have the courage to say that as well, because we would have the courage to say, I'm going to do my best to follow Christ in every way. And to say to others, you can follow me. You can follow me to Christ because that's where I'm going. And so you have to understand what he's just said. He said, follow my example and then follow those who have followed after me, who have learned. <clears throat> and then he goes on to finish that little section out. And uh, Paul didn't write chapters and he didn't write verses. He just wrote a letter. <clears throat> but we go to chapter 4, verse 2. And the tenor changes just a little bit, or we think it does. Philippians chapter 4, verse 2. We're reading from the New Living Translation. If you don't have that, there should be a copy around you somewhere, a blue Bible somewhere, around 710. It'll be the page number there. Uh, but this is God's word for us today. Now, I appeal to you, you die in Syntyche, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. So always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. So don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Lord, may in the next few moments you just settle in this place in an amazingly real way. May we hear your voice clearly and may we then respond to that voice with courage. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. How many of you like to get called out in class? What's your favorite thing, right? Kareth, you never do that, do you? You never call on the person who hasn't been paying attention just because you know they haven't been paying attention? Just so you and the whole class can see them stumble and fall. Teachers just plan those moments, I know. Uh, and we've, we've all fallen prey to those, haven't we? We hate being called out. My dad, uh, as many of you know, is a pastor, and my name is Matthew. And the small churches he pastored, it was not uncommon if we were acting up in the pew for him to call us down in the middle of the sermon. If I was acting up, he would say, Matthew. That stayed with me and scarred me for life. I remember in college, I was in chapel, and sitting in the place where you could sleep and read the paper if you wanted to, 
uh, because nobody was paying attention in that section. I don't know why, uh, because I, I just wasn't that day. And uh, I remember the, I was beginning to doze a little bit, and the, the speaker, I don't know who he was, read from the book of Matthew. And as soon as he said that word, I felt like I was a six-year-old again in, in that pew, and I knew I was going to get it when I got home. You know, it was like, <laughs> we hate being called out, but here is Paul doing that, not privately, not hush-hush, not to the side, hey, guys, let's, let's deal with this. He's calling out Udiah and Syntyche. This is a letter that's going to be read to the whole Philippian church. They'd all gathered for this. They'd all gathered to hear these greetings from Paul, their beloved, the one that they had worked with and given to and were so excited about what, was, what he had done but were praying for because of his current situation in prison. They were waiting for these greetings, so they had all gathered in this house probably and were, were being encouraged <coughs> to follow Christ's example, to be of one mind, to not be selfish, to give up your rights so that others can know Christ. And here, in there, that room was Udiah and Syntyche, two ladies. We don't know what the deal was, but we do know that they were having a disagreement. Now, there are many who would say that this disagreement wasn't theological because Paul doesn't deal with it theologically. And if they, there are theological problems, Paul has no problem with dealing, it, dealing with it. So most would say that this is an issue of just people not getting along. Something petty. It's never happened to you, has it? Something petty. Well, Paul is extremely discouraged by the nature of this disagreement. Because these are two who belong to the Lord. <laughs> these are two that he's been talking about. And these are two that he had just mentioned. He said, don't be afraid to follow my example or the ones of those who have learned from me. And Udiah and Syntyche were two woman, women who had learned from him. They worked hard with him, telling the others the good news. They had preached alongside of him the gospel. They had worked along with Clement and the rest of his team, his co-workers. And that word in the Greek literally means team. It's that athletic reference. They were a team together. They were a cohesive unit. They had one purpose in mind, and that purpose was sharing Christ with others. And even more than that, if you get to the base level, their names were written in the Lamb's book of life. In that book of life, they were followers of Christ. And Paul is absolutely appalled that anything can get in the way of these two people. Because they are followers of Christ, they are leaders within the church. And yet, they've let something come between them. I wish I knew what it was. You know, I, if I was just to guess, I would think that Syntyche's kids, you know, were, were running amok in the sanctuary, and Udiah called them out. How dare she do that? Or, you know what it was? Udiah forgot to call Syntyche and tell her, about the potluck. She didn't get the invitation. We, that never happens to us, does it? We never get our feelings hurt. We never get 
offended by others. Well, these two ladies did. And although we think it's probably a petty argument, it wasn't petty in its results. Because Paul saw the nature of this, this disagreement having the ability to tear the church apart, to destroy what was going on in Philippi, to, to allow anybody else who was an opponent of the gospel or those enemies of Christ just to take over because they weren't being the church. And so he does this. He says in front of everybody, I'm going to ask my partner, my true partner, to help these two ladies out. First of all, can you imagine being called out in public? And then number two, can you imagine Paul assigning somebody then to be your mediator? You know, one thing that this, this tells me is that the church near, isn't nearly as private as we make it. We feel that we have to do everything behind closed doors because we have to have the front, we have to have the wall, and we can't deal with things out in the open or in the public. But here Paul was not afraid to deal with this within the context of community because it was a community issue. It had nothing to do with the two petty ladies that were actually at the heart of it. This was a community issue, and he was given the community permission to deal with it. He'd also call the Corinthians out saying, how dare you take, sue one of your brothers or sisters in Christ in a secular court? What's that say to a world out there? We have peace, we have grace, and that you sue each other. Paul says, deal with it. And so he deals with it here. <laughs> he says, brother, you deal with it. You fix it. Go in and fix this. You know, there's times where we need help. <laughs> there are times where we cannot fix it by ourselves and we need help and that's okay. But he asked them to do it. He kind of gives clear instructions if you follow out the rest of this verse, uh, these few verses, because he goes right into a discourse that we are very familiar with. You've heard me preach it a bunch of times. You've heard me say it almost every Sunday, these few verses, because I love these verses. But hopefully today we're going to understand them truly in context. The context of a feud, a feud between two good ladies two productive ladies in the church. First thing he asks them is to check their own relationship with God. Always be full, in verse 4, of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. He's basically saying, you're letting something else steal your joy here. You're letting something else get in the way of your rejoicing in, in your relationship with God. Check your own relationship with Him first. You know, how many times do we hold up the mirror and we see ourselves and we realize that we have a more responsibility in this than we actually think we have? We're more at fault. I think Jesus said it this way, check, before you go to pick the speck out of somebody else's eye, take care of the log in your own eye. It's never our fault though, is it? It's always someone else's fault and that's what we're being fed at least. We live in a society that doesn't take responsibility. And Paul is saying, you rejoice in the Lord first and foremost. And I can see those two ladies squirming. It's hard to rejoice in the Lord when you're mad at somebody else. It's hard to rejoice in the Lord when 
you can't even look at that other person. It's hard to rejoice in the Lord when you haven't dealt with the issues in your life and relationship. So he's reminding these ladies, you all always be full of joy in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'm going to say it again in case you didn't hear me. Rejoice. So first of all, check your own relationship with God, but he doesn't end there. It says, just tells us disagreement does not mean disrespect. And disagreement should not lead to disrespect. Verse 5. Let everyone know that you're considerate in all you do. Syntyche, let you die and know that you're considerate of her in all you do. Udiah, make sure you're thinking of Syntyche as more important than yourself today. Disagreement is not a bad thing. Conflict is not a bad thing. Actually, it's disagreement and conflict that actually can hone and shape and bring us to where we need to be. It can focus us on mission. It can, it can be very, very helpful as long as it's done in a healthy way. And the most healthy way to do it is to make sure that you could always respect the other person. But we quickly go to the you's and the she's and the personal attacks. We're not fleshing out the issue here. We're talking about their personality or assassinating their character. Paul reminds us, be considerate in everything that you do. Don't let your disagreement lead to disrespect. And you get the feeling that this is what had happened. Or the story of a, of a gentleman, Ken Sandy is his name. He's a president of Peacemakers International. He's written several books, and in one of his books, he talks about the fact that he had brought a friend, Cindy, to church with him, and had been asking her to come and asking her to come, and right before the service, he had forgotten that the previous week, the pastor and one of the, the leading members of the church had gotten into a verbal altercation during the Sunday school hour that everybody could hear, and they said some pretty nasty things. And the pastor, when he got up before he went to preach, he said, I need to apologize. And Ken said, really? I can't, be- oh no. They're going to air out the dirty laundry of what happened last week with my friend here. And he invited Kent up and he said, we need to apologize because we didn't act Christ-like last week. We didn't agree on something, but we let it get personal. And we've asked each other to forgive us and we're going to ask you to forgive us. It's amazing what an apology will do. It's an amazing what an I'm sorry will do to heal a relationship. And it's amazing what an apology will speak to those who are watching. Cindy is now a, a member of that church because she was so impressed with the integrity of the past pastor and Kent that that's her church home now. Disagreement doesn't mean you have to disrespect. Then he tells them to get a little perspective. How quickly we get short-sighted. How many mountains, molehills have we made into mountains? How many battles have we fought over things that really didn't matter? 
How many? Paul goes straight to the issue, and he said this several times already. Remember, the Lord's coming soon. You don't have time for this. Get over yourselves in this. We're talking about eternal issues, and you are fighting over heaven knows what. You can't afford to do this because Jesus is coming soon. And I think for them, when we read that most of the time, we think that's an amazing encouragement. But for Udiah and Syntyche, it was a get your act in order. You don't have time to mess around with petty issues. You have work to do for the gospel, and you can't do it as long as you're being who you are right now. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Get some perspective. And then let go of it. How do you let go of it? I can't forgive them. I cannot. You don't know what they did. I know I don't know what they did. You haven't experienced. I know I haven't experienced that. But we have one who has experienced it all, yet without sin. We know, have one who knows what it's like to be hurt, to be stabbed in the back. We have one who knows what it's like to be abused, to be forsaken, betrayed, yet without sin. And he calls us to let go of it. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. (laughs) It's letting go of it, isn't it? Don't worry about it. Most of the time when we read this passage, we say, okay, I'm not going to worry about the bills. I'm not going to worry about the education. I'm not going to worry about all this. But Paul is saying, I think, really in context here to you, Diane Syntyche especially, don't worry about it. Let it go. Is this really worth it? Don't worry about this. Instead, give it to God. Give it over. That's why I love our tradition and the fact that we have the altars here. Because for many of us, they were, it's an opportunity for us to, to physically leave it behind. We come and we pray and we say, God, meet us here and he meets us here. And we say, God, this is where I need to, this is what I'm dealing with. This is what, how I need you to, to work in my life. And we leave it there. And we can point back to the fact that, you know, I left it at the altar. When it comes back, I left it. It's not in my hands anymore. It's there. Let go and give it to God. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about it. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He's done. How do you think these two ladies heard that? I'm pretty sure the Holy Spirit was really melting their hearts at this point. Don't worry about anything. Instead of pray about everything, tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. And then you have the amazing, most amazing gift of all. It's a peace from God. You know this verse. Then you'll experience God's peace. 
which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What petty thing is stealing your peace? What petty argument, disagreement? Or maybe it's not petty, but it's still stealing your peace. The amazing thing about this is that once we experience peace with God, it begins to affect our peace with others. Once we really achieve peace with God, it's hard for us to remain in conflict with somebody else. Once you've experienced that peace that can't be explained, it's hard for the Holy Spirit won't let you stay mad, stay bitter, hold on to that because you've let it go. God's peace and your bitterness cannot cohabitate. You need to give it up. You need to let it go. You need to pray about it. Experience that amazing, life-transforming peace. And I love the fact that he says, don't pray that Udiah will change her mind and see your way. He says, just pray about it and experience peace. Let God give you an amazing peace this morning. I know this doesn't deal with any of us today. This is just one we have to do because it's in Philippians. It doesn't hit home for any of us, I know, but, or maybe it does. Maybe you know the person that flashes to mind when you hear this passage. Let go of it. Give it to God and experience His peace. You don't have time to hold on to it. You don't have time to milk that for all it's worth because, number one, it'll kill you, and number two, it's hurting your witness. You don't have time. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads right where you are. And I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you today. And I'm going to pray, and if you need to, if you need to physically let it go today, we'd let you do that. That's okay. If you just need to step out and come and pray, that's perfectly fine. We'd love to, to pray with you. Or maybe you want to just do the work that you need to do right there where you are. But as I pray, I want to invite you to pray with me, and I want to invite you to ask the Holy Spirit to point out any wicked way in you this morning. And I want to ask the, the Lord to give you peace as you seek peace with others. Let's pray together today. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're the God of peace, the God of all peace. But we seem to be peace people of discord. Even within the church, even among us citizens of heaven, Lord, I pray that right now that you would begin a healing process in us that you would help us to forgive and forget, that you'd help us to, to truly let it go by giving it to you. 
that we learn to rejoice in our relationship with you. And when we we really joy in that relationship with you, we're not so easily offended. We tend to be full of grace. Lord, make us people of grace. Lord, I pray your peace on each one of us today. Your amazing peace that can't be explained, but can only be experienced. May you grant us that peace as you do the work in us to allow us to seek peace in the relationships around us. Thank you for our time together. And I'm thankful that our time together is not going to end right now. It's going to go into our grow groups, and then your time with us won't end at grow groups. It'll continue as we listen to those still small voices, your still small voice in our life. Lord, thank you for these moments. May we be changed because of it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. May you experience the amazing peace of God today, but understand the responsibility you have when you receive it to share that with others. May you be peacemakers in this world. Go in that peace and be blessed today. Thank you for worshiping with us. Thank you, Jenny and Tyler, and I'd love to see as many of you tonight at Fort Debbie and Chris's house uh, then. Continue to worship then. Thank you, guys.